He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everybody my name is c is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c dorset and yeah if you can't tell i still have a cold (laughs) it's much more audible today and i apologize for that but we are going to push on with our study of the apostles creed if you are new to the podcast and you don't know why we're doing a study of the, the Apostles' Creed, I, I heard an evangelical say something that I just could not believe, and I highly recommend you go back and at least listen to the first episode in this series to understand why we're doing this, because it, it blew my mind, and I expect it will blow yours, too. Okay. <clears throat> So again, I apologize for my voice. Um, Hopefully it will be with us, God willing, through the entire recording of this episode. And on we go. Today, we will be talking about the communion of saints. Now, this, yesterday, I contrasted with the phrase the Holy Catholic Church, saying that the church is on earth and the communion of saints is in heaven. I would like to stand by that now. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are surrounded by such a cloud of witness. This is what he is talking about. Jesus, on the night before he was crucified in John chapter 17, prayed that we would be one with him as he is one with the Father, that they may be one with us. And this is, in fact, the goal and purpose of Christianity, to have and live in blessed union with God. And this is the power of the communion of saints. All those who have gone before us in the Spirit of Christ, in oneness with him, work together for our benefit. And this was something that, you know, when I converted to Catholicism, it was actually one of the reasons I converted to Catholicism, because I, I'm i not going to retell my conversion story in here. I have told it on a previous episode of the podcast, but... Suffice it to say, I was converted via the rosary, and it was learning about our Blessed Mother Mary through the work of St. Louis de Montfort, and then learning about him and his life that you know changed me from being a Protestant, Baptist, non-denominational, whatever I was at the time, to being a Catholic until Cardinal Ratzinger took over the church. And then I, I just, I, I couldn't, 
I, I couldn't anymore. And I have to say, if you have never experienced the blessing of our sisters and brothers in the faith who have gone on before us, then I highly recommend that you check it out. <laughs> it's like everything that I talk about on this podcast. You know, if you don't know or don't believe or haven't tried something, you should try it. See how it works. See if it brings meaning and purpose and clarity to your life. For me, the communion of saints is one of the main things that bolsters my faith. It's one of the things that keeps me going. I have a special devotion to quite a few saints, actually, from St. Hildegard, who I pray to for help with my writing and the stories that I tell, St. Martha, who we pray to, and St. Lawrence, who we pray to for help with the restaurant, St. George, who I pray to to help me fight the dragons of depression that come after me, and the Blessed Mother, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who I have a very special love for. I actually have in my possession a relic of Mother Seton's, and she is someone very near and dear to my heart. So what, what do I mean when I say a devotion? Many people are confused by this because they do not understand the difference between devotion and worship. And devotion is... Some people like to say it's a, le a lesser degree and I don't think that that helps anybody understand what that means. So, Paul Tillich defines God as the ultimate. That if we are going to say that anything is God, God must be ultimate. God must be beyond anything else. Or the definition of God breaks down. And I have to say, personally, I agree with that. That... For anyone or anything to be classified as God, it must, in virtually all ways, be ultimate. And that <clears throat> distinction is one of the things that differentiates devotion from worship. See, when I pray to God, when I worship God, I know that I am talking to the ultimate ground of being. I know that I am connecting with the source of all existence. That the source of all love, compassion, loving kindness, beauty, victory, that's who I'm talking to. That's who I'm connecting with. And so my awe in the presence of such a one is just impossible to put into words because I know when I am praying, I am connecting to that which is creation, that which is creating, that which is life. 
when I talk to the saints, and I do pray to the saints, pray, like I said, to quite a few of them, but I only listed some of the ones that I have, you know, the most devotion to. But when I pray to the saints, it's, it's different because I know that the saint that I am talking to was once a person like me. And I have an understanding of their life. I always read up on the stories of the saints. It's actually something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and as such, I'm talking to either one of my sisters or my brother. Well, intellectually, I know that Jesus is our brother. And he calls us calls himself such, right? It's hard for me to get into that same headspace because I know that, yes, Jesus is our brother, but he's also God. And so it's difficult, like I said, for me to get into that headspace where I can open myself up in the way that I want to or need to because I am addressing that ultimate being. In contrast, when I talk to our Blessed Mother Mary, it's different. I know that she was like me. She's human. She was born human. She was fully human. I can talk to her as I would my mother, because as Jesus said on the cross, behold your mother. And I believe that he said that to all of us. And so I can talk to her as my mother, because I am part of the body of Christ, and she is the mother of Christ. I can put myself into her tender arms and tell her my problems. And I can know that no one who has gone to her has ever been left wanting. She has, at the very least, sent solace to them. And I know that from not just reading in books and things that people told me. I know that from my own life. My, my devotion to Mary, like all of my religious convictions, is born out of an experience. The Blessed Mother saved my life. The Blessed Mother is the reason I am here. And so I can talk to her like I am talking to my mother and know that all that she cares about is that I am formed into the image of her son, that I become a proper image of her child in this world. And that's enough. When I pray to St. Hildegard, I know she knows most of the pains that I'm dealing with. And then some, because of the time period that she lived in. But she knows what it's like to write. She knows what it's like to suffer. She knows so, oh, she knows my pain better than I know my pain. And so I can pray to her and talk to her, knowing that I'm talking to somebody who has that experience. And there's a kinship 
and a comradeship that develops between us when we do that. The saints are our sisters and brothers in the faith, whether they are people that we know or people that lived hundreds of years ago. They are our sisters and brothers. They care about us and what happens. And it's really hard to explain unless you try. You know, I highly recommend that you, you know, pray a rosary and see how it calms your mind and fills you with the graces that you're talking about. The communion of saints is the mechanism, if you will, through which we will restore this world into the image that God had for it since before the creation. Yeah, everything is broken, everything is disjointed, everything sees itself as separate. But when you start realizing that we are all interconnected, and that interconnection is not just with me here now, and the sound of my voice coming to you, but spans over the centuries to St. Hildegard through her writing and through her music and through her being. She is connected to us even now. Our Blessed Mother Mary is connected to us even now. And all the saints, that we are all profoundly connected independent of the time and place in which we live. That understanding that grows and develops in us helps us almost more than anything else to understand and live in the profound interconnectedness that is the true nature of reality. So when we say a prayer or a novena, or an octave, or a tritium, and I'll talk about all those after the break. When I say the little crown of the Blessed Virgin, when I say the Angelus, or the Regina Cayley, when I sing the Salve Regina, these things not only move me, but they connect me to the one who came before me. And especially in our devotion to Mary, which I'm not talking about too much because I did an entire series on that. If you go back, you can see that I did an entire entire series on devotion to Mary. But, you know, it it is one of the great keys to life. And we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break. And we're back. So yeah, I I don't know how to sell you on the idea that we are all one in Christ unless you try, (laughs) unless you taste and see that the Lord is good, that Christ promised that we would be united together in him and that we are one body here on earth. And even those who are no longer with us here on this earth are one with Christ. I, I don't think it is rational to even try to explain something like that to you, because I'll be honest, it is one of the most irrational things that you could believe. 
but I know from experience that it's true. I wish I could share those experiences with you so that you could know as, as well as I do. That's why I say try. Taste and see. This is the power of the rosary. The rosary is not just a series of Hail Marys. Now, the rosary is a profound meditation on the life, teaching, death, resurrection, and glory of Jesus Christ. And when you say each Hail Mary, building in your mind the image of the decade that you were praying, be it the Annunciation or the Nativity or the Crucifixion, the Resurrection, the Ascension. When you bring those things to mind and you ask that God will deliver to you the grace of that, and you start seeing those graces manifesting in your life, that's, to me, what teaches you how to experience this, and that it is true. I wish there was another way, you know, that I could rationally talk someone into any kind of faith. But I don't think anything experiential can be explained rationally. Like, I don't think you can explain to somebody why they should like a song or a movie or a book. And in the same way, I don't know how you could explain your relationship. I've been married for over 20 years, and I don't know how to explain our relationship. So I, I find it bizarre that in this one place, I, we are expected to be able to explain our relationship with God, with Jesus, with the saints, in a way that's rational. We don't do that with any other relationship. And I think that's because in the Enlightenment, everything was believed to be rational, and some people mistakenly thought that they could do that, and they inserted that idea into Christianity to the point where those who reacted against Christianity decided that, yes, that's the way that it should be. And if you can't make a valid, rational argument, then, of course, what you're saying is not true. Well, again, I don't know that it's ever possible to make a valid, rational argument about any, any relationship. Because I don't think any relationship is rational, especially those with the saints. So over the years and centuries of Christianity is these things have developed. Various manners of devotion have come about. We've talked a little bit about the rosary already. The rosary is a chaplet. It's a very special chaplet, but it's just a chaplet. A chaplet is a series of prayers, generally said on beads, though sometimes on string, tied with knots like the chakti. And they perform... The, it's not the prayers that have power. It's the meditation that goes along with the prayers. And that's where I think people get confused, is 
They think that we're sitting here chanting, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. They think that, we think, that by saying that over and over and over again, it makes it have more power, it makes it have more meaning. No, we say that because it is the core of our devotion, and it distracts the body. Because once you say any of these prayers enough, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. Once you say any of these prayers enough, they become second nature. They just roll out of you. They distract your mind. They distract your body. They distract everything but your spirit, which is then allowed to go free into the mysteries that you're contemplating. And that's the power of any of these types of prayers. When you say them, you say them and and say them and say them, and they often don't show effect until you are able to say them purely from memory without having to think about it. And it's just easy. Then you really see what the power is. Then you see what is going on. You see how this all works. Because once you're free from having to say the words, because they're just flowing out of you like a fountain, your spirit can rise into the mysteries and experience the grace that is there. And there's a great power in that. Some people have a hard time getting there, because they want to hold on to the words. They want to hold on to something concrete. But the whole point of all of this is to learn to let go. To learn to let be. And so it is with the all of the chaplets. No matter which one you're saying. So that's a good way to experience and begin a relationship with the saints. Novenas are also a very powerful one. And novena is a prayer that you say for nine days. You might have seen novena candles in a store near you. They're very tall pillar candles, often with a picture of a saint on the glass. And the idea is the candle burns for nine days. And every, every day, you repeat the prayer. This is a great way to begin a devotion to, the, to a saint. Almost every saint has a devotion, a novena associated with them. It's also a very powerful and profound thing to do to write your own. Because it's a way of getting to know them, a way of entering their presence and asking for their presence to enter your life. There are certain novenas that are wonderfully effective. I know that prayers to St. Jude Thaddeus have performed a novena to him on numerous occasions and have seen amazing things. But it's just a simple prayer. 
And this, that's true with any of the other things that I talked about. The octave, that's doing the same thing for eight days. A tritium is doing the same thing for three days. Because one of the most important things to understand about us as people is if we do not take up a practice, if we don't do things repeatedly, we forget. We are very forgetful people. This is one of the truest things that, to me, from the book of Exodus, that they, after they'd been away from Egypt for a while, they literally start talking amongst each other. Was Egypt really that bad? I mean, at least then we had food that wasn't this manna. We had food we could eat. I mean, was it really that bad? Yes, you were slaves. You were slaves, for goodness sakes. It was that bad. It was worse. You were slaves. But that's probably the most human thing I've ever read in a spiritual text. Uh, yeah, life wasn't great there, but we weren't walking through a desert. We weren't thirsty all the time. We weren't eating the same thing every day. We had onions in Egypt. Do you remember onions? That's, that, that tells me that something in that story has to be based on reality because it gets very specific there because I've had that experience because I have a friend that's allergic to onions and for a while there they were coming over almost every day for months and I found myself sitting back really missing onions. And I remember saying that to Brian one day. Do you remember onions? <laughs> I mean, that's the most human thing. Like, do you remember, like, we used to have these other things. And so by taking up a devotion, by doing something every day, or every day for a set period of time, it helps us to bring these energies into our lives, these people into our lives. You can do this with the angels. You can do this with them very well. A good example of this is the prayer of the four archangels, that if you've never said it or done any of the meditations with it, it's very powerful. It's very simple. Michael, to the right of me. Gabriel, to my left. Behind me, Raphael. Before me, Uriel. And above me, the Shekinah glory of God. It's a beautiful little prayer. And I highly recommend that you say it before you go to sleep. You say it when you get up. You say it before you do something that scares you. And I'll tell you a wonderful secret that a rabbi taught me. When you say it, say it slowly. So when you say Michael to the right of me, remember that Michael is the Archangel of Compassion. And sit and wait until you feel the presence. And if you don't feel it, pretend that you do. Now that might sound weird. And like, oh, I see what you're doing now. See, this is all imagination games. No, 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 no. Sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to experience the more subtle things. And especially for a meditation like this, they will be there regardless. But sometimes... If you don't feel it, just pretend that you do, and then go on to the next archangel. And eventually, 
You won't have to pretend. You, you'll feel the energies moving around you when you say these things. And so here you are invoking Michael to the right of you, the compassion of God. Gabriel to the left of you, the strength of God. Raphael, the healer of God, behind you to hold you and to keep you strong. Uriel, the light of God before you to light your way. And the Shekinah, the presence of God to be above you. The glory of God to be above you. To shield you from all things. It's a very powerful and profound meditation. And I highly recommend that you try it. Because they're part and parcel of the communion of saints as well. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope my uh, cold wasn't too strong and didn't take away too much from your enjoyment. If you liked this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate the episode or the podcast, please do that. That helps me out a lot. If you can share this episode with others that would really make me very happy to get the word out to more people if you have a dollar you can throw my way either in the app depending on the app you're listening to me on either click the support button or in the show notes there's a link that says support on anchor there's a if you click that you can support me at the one dollar five dollar or ten dollar a month levels that really does help me out. That money goes to me. It helps me pay for hosting on the website and, you know, for the time to do all of this. So thank you very much to people who can do that. If you can't afford to give, please pray for me. If you can't tell, I really do believe in the power of prayer and your prayers. Even if you do, you can support me financially. Please pray for me also. The prayers really do help. They really do. Never discount the power of prayer. Never. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and understanding. Amen.